Welcome to the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. We're getting ready to have an old-fashioned line-on-line, precept-on-precept study of God's Word to search out those deeper truths and gain a greater understanding of the Bible. We would love for you to join us today as we dig in and learn what it is God would truly have us to know from the letter that He wrote to us. Hello there, God bless you, and welcome into the study today. We're very glad to have you. We're going to be picking it up in Matthew chapter 17, verse 1 in just a moment. Now, if you remember from our last study, Jesus has begun to tell his disciples that he's going to be crucified, that they're going to kill him, but he's going to raise again on the third day. And then he ended up at the end of the last uh, study. He said, some of you standing here, will not taste of death until they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. Now with that thought in mind, let's go ahead and get into chapter 17. We ask for clarity and understanding from our Father in Jesus' name. 17, verse 1. And six days, and after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart. So they went up there away from everybody else. Verse 2. And was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias, Elias being Elijah, talking with him. Then Peter then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make thee three tabernacles, one for thee, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And naturally right there it shows that Peter recognized Moses and Elijah. They were in their transfigured bodies, and he was able to tell who they were. Verse 5, While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud, which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. This kind of goes to show right here, you know, there's a bunch of people say, well, God told me this and God told me that. And I heard from God today and I talked to God today and he talked to me. The disciples were with Christ. They, they were studying under him. They were with him step for step. And they knew that he was the son of God. And still, when God came and spoke, it knocked them down. They were they they fell on their face. It was an awesome experience. So those that t- kind of take it lightly that, oh, well, you know, God told me the weather was going to do this today, so I needed to wear this type of shirt or, or drive this car. Well, that's that, that's not really the way that works. God expects you to have common sense. Verse 7, And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. He lifted them back up. He gave them strength. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save only Jesus. And as they came down from the mountain... Jesus charged them, saying, Tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. Now, before we go on, I want to take a trip. Let's talk about Elijah and Moses right quick, why they showed up on this Mount of Transfiguration. A lot of folks say, or, you know, it is very commonly believed that Moses died. Well, we know Elijah was taken by God. He was taken up by the chariots of fire. And if you read the last chapter of Deuteronomy, it says that Moses died, but God would let no man touch him, not to, not to bury him. And then as you go to the book of Jude, it says that Satan argued against Michael, looking, bringing a rile and accusation, wondering where the bones of Moses were. 
So it kind of lends to the fact that Moses also was transfigured. Let's move over to Revelation chapter 11 and talk about why it was important that Moses and Elijah showed up. You see, we come into this figure of the two witnesses. Uh, Revelation chapter 11, we're going to pick it up in verse 1. And it was given me a reed like unto a rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. But the court which is without the temple leave out and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles. And the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty and two months. Now the reason I started here is because I wanted to cover that forty-two months. Whenever you have prophecies that are in months, that has to do with the moon, that's lunar, that has to do with Satan. So these Gentiles treading underfoot for forty-two months... That's that time that the Antichrist is going to be here on earth showing himself that he is God, claiming to be God. Verse 3, And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. Now this thousand two hundred and threescore days, that's a thousand two hundred and sixty days. Many people say, well, that's the same as 42 months. A month, a lunar cycle, is 29 and a half days. So this 1,203 score days is actually a longer time. So it might signify that the two witnesses show up a little bit before to begin to prep the elect on, hey, get ready, it's fixing to go down. Verse 4, these are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and, devour, and devoureth their enemies. What is this fire? It's the, the Spirit of God. It's the Holy Spirit. And we're going we're gonna to firm that up. We're going to prove that here in just a minute. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. These have power to shut heaven, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy. If you remember, Elijah had that... that there was a drought going on during Elijah's ministry. And it was his, you know, God gave him the ability to say, hey, you say let it rain, and it'll rain. And have power over waters to turn them to blood and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. If you remember back to Exodus, that was kind of the, the gift that was allowed to Moses was God would tell him, go strike the the river and it turned to blood and then all the plagues that came through and when they shall have finished verse 7 and when they shall have finished their testimony the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit that being apollyon or babdon the destroyer the antichrist shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them and their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city which spiritually is called sodom and egypt where also our Lord was crucified. Naturally, this is Jerusalem. Now, in this street, this word street in the Greek is platia, and it means a broad place or an open place, like an arena. It's not necessarily they're going to be out there on the side of the road. They're in an arena, and everybody's watching to see the, what's going to come of them. Verse 9, And they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in graves. Why not? 
they want to see if they're going to rise up also. It's prophesied. They don't believe, at, you know, whenever Christ was resurrected. They didn't believe in that. They're going to make sure that they lay these guys out here so that they can't say, oh, well, you know, there's all these conspiracies behind, you know, they probably didn't raise. Verse 10. And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry and shall send gifts one to another because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on earth. Now, how did they torment them? They were speaking the truth. All these folks were believing that the Antichrist was the true Christ. And these prophets, these two witnesses, stood up and was issuing out the Spirit of God, the truth of God, and was not allowing the corruption to go without being corrected. And so that's where this torment comes in. They were constantly being told, you're wrong, you're wrong. And it just tore them up. And so now they're just so happy they're not being condemned by these guys anymore by, because they're worshiping Antichrist. Verse 11, And after three days and a half, the spirit of life from God entered into them, and they stood upon their feet, and great fear fell upon them which saw them. And why would that be? Verse 12, And they heard a great voice from heaven, saying unto them, Come up hither. And they descended up to heaven in a great cloud, or in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. And the same hour was there a great earthquake, and a tenth part of the city fell, and in the earthquake were slain of men 7,000. That's a very important number right here. You see this word men, this 7,000 is the fallen angels, which are mentioned that they decided to come down here and follow Satan, and without being born of woman, come into this dimension completely just turned their back on God, completely disobeyed God. And so then at this time, those 7,000 are done away with. They're blotted out. And the remnant were affrighted and gave glory to God of heaven. Now, what's the timing of this? Verse 14, The second woe is past, and behold, the third woe cometh quickly. And the seventh angel sounded. And there was great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of the world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Now, the reason why I wanted to cover all of that is to show you that the two witnesses are here for the time that the Antichrist is here. The entire time. A lot of people, you know, there's speculations that they're only here for half of the time. And then they're killed. And then the Great Tribulation, which they attribute to the Antichrist, takes place. The Great Tribulation is actually that of when the true Christ comes back. As was just told here, the third woe comes quickly. That seventh trump, the reason why everyone could see them rising is because the seventh trump sounded and we were immediately changed at that point to our spiritual bodies. Christ is descending back to take back the order of this world as the two witnesses are ascending into heaven. Now, I mentioned the Spirit, that they were giving out the Spirit. Let's really nail that down. We're going to go to Zechariah chapter 4. I know we're jumping around a little bit, but it's good exercise. Zechariah in the Old Testament, chapter 4, and we're going to start it also with verse 1. And the angel that talked with me came again and waked me, as a man that is waking out of his sleep, and said unto me, What seest thou? And I said, I have looked, and behold, a candlestick, all of gold, 
with a bowl upon the top of it, and his seven lamps thereon, and seven pipes to the seven lamps, which are upon the top thereof. Now, if you remember from Revelation chapter 1, the, the last verse of chapter 1, it explains that the seven lamps, the, the stars, the seven stars in Christ's hands were the angels of the churches. And then the seven candlesticks, or the lamps, were the churches themselves. Verse 3, And two olive trees by it, here we go with the olive trees again, one upon the right side of the bowl, and the other upon the left side of the bowl, that be these two witnesses. So I answered and spake to the angel that talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? Then the angel that talked with me answered and said unto me, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. Verse 6, Then he said and spake unto me, or then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel. Now this word Zerubbabel, or this name, to translate this name, it really brings it home for us. Zerubbabel means to be born in confusion but brought out. So to be born in confusion meaning to be born in this world of free will, but then to find the truth and be brought out of that confusion, that babble of Satan, and be brought into the light of God, the true word, not all the traditions of man and all this other stuff. Continuing on, saying, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. What is that? That means the spirit's bringing the light to the witnesses. It's, it's bringing that, that fuel for those lamps. Verse 7, Who art thou, O great mountain? If you remember from Revelation chapter 17, a mountain is symbolic of a nation. Before Zerubbabel, thou shalt become a plain. Before this one that came out of confusion and knows the truth, that nation's going to be knocked down. Now what nation is that? At this time when the two witnesses are here, that nation that's going to be struck down will be those who are following the Antichrist and those who the Antichrist brought into this world. As it, Matthew chapter 13 speaks of in the parable of the wheat and the tares, the, the seed of the serpent, the, the wicked one that sowed that seed, being the Kenites. And he, continuing on, and he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying, Grace, grace unto it. Now this headstone, you can read in Psalms 118, uh, along about verse 22, 24, that this headstone is that stone which the builders re rejected, which will be the cornerstone, that being Christ. Verse 8, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel had laid the foundation of this house. His hands shall also finish it. And thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts hath sent me unto you. That one that came from confusion has received that truth, has come out of confusion, and has laid the base to build this house upon, this house of truth upon. Verse 10, For who hath despised the day of small things? For they shall rejoice and shall see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel. This plummet's like a plumb bob. It tests if something is, is straight up and down. What would that plummet be if we're looking at this? It'd be this word of God. This word of God will tell anything in this world if it's running true or if it's deviating one way or the other. 
Continuing on with those seven, those seven. Now this seven is representative of the elect. They are the eyes of the Lord which run to and fro through the whole earth. They are those who were chosen before the foundations of this age. As they stood against Satan when he rebelled against God in the first age, in the first eon. And they are chosen to be in this world now to carry on that truth and to fight for God at this specific time. Verse 11, Then answered I, and said unto him, What are these two olive trees upon the right side of the candlestick, and upon the left side thereof? And I answered again, and said unto him, What be these two olive branches, which through the two golden pipes empty the golden oil out of themselves? Now, what's the duties of the two witnesses? It's to... The, to empty the golden oil from the pipes out of themselves. Now, what is, this, what is this oil that's in these pipes? It's the Spirit. That's why I said in Revelation chapter 11, the fire that proceedeth out of their mouth is the Spirit of God. And they are here, the two witnesses are here, to put that Spirit out and to strengthen the elect who are here, who are to be delivered up and stand against the Antichrist. And that Spirit, that oil, will be just, just it, it'll be an overwhelming strength and encouragement that comes to the elect. 13, and he answered me and said, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. Then he said, These are the two anointed ones that stand by the Lord of the whole earth. Now in the Hebrew, this two anointed ones is the two sons of all. These sons of all, they are the two witnesses, and they're, as I said, they are here to just really push out the Spirit, to be that guiding light, to be able to strengthen those who are in this fight, standing against the Antichrist, and to bring that truth out that no one can go against them without being scorched by that Spirit. At the same time, if you are with them and they are issuing that fire out, It'll be, it, all it is will just be a warming, just a great comfort to those who are doing what's right. All right, moving back over to Matthew chapter 17 and verse 10. And his disciples asked him, saying, Why then say the scribes that Elias, or Elijah, must first come? And he answered and said unto them, Elias truly shall come first and restore all things. That's Malachi chapter 4, verse 5. And that being right there, proof that Elijah is one of the two witnesses. Verse 12, But I say unto you that Elias is come already, and they knew him not, but have done unto him whatsoever they listed, or they wanted. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. Then the disciples understood that he spake unto them of John the Baptist. Now, if you remember Luke chapter 1, John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah. And if they would have accepted John the Baptist, if they would have accepted Christ, then he would have been Elijah, but he wasn't because they didn't accept either one of them. They cut John the Baptist's head off and they crucified Christ. Verse 14. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, 
for he is lunatic and sore vexed, for oft times he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. Now what is this lunatic? As we mentioned earlier, to be lunar, prophecies in, in months or lunar, has to do with Satan. So this is one who is vexed by a, a very satanic spirit. 16, and I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. He was a little strong. Their faith was just a little weak. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Now some might say that this lunatic is, um, oh, what's that, what's that disease called? Uh, epileptic. That's what, I was, that's, that's what I was looking for. Right there in verse 18 it says, And Jesus rebuked the devil. So that takes that, that it's a sickness out of it, and it, it, it clearly states that this was one who was possessed. Verse 19, Then came the disciples of Jesus apart and said, Why could we not cast him out? And Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, If you have faith, as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain. Now, if you remember, mountains are nations. Well, what mountain? This lunar nation. This nation of Satan. These Kenites. These ones who are behind the scenes, pulling the strings, doing his bidding. Who are turning this world corrupt, upside down. Then you can say to that nation, remove hence to yonder place. And it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. You know, this truth, this word of truth, is what causes that nation to shrink. The problem is, you can read in 1 Chronicles chapter 2, verse 55, that this Kenite nation had worked itself, all the way back then, had worked itself to be the scribes for the Levites. If the enemy's doing your scribe work, if the enemy's doing your translating and writing your manuscripts and writing your studies, then how easy is it for them to take control? You don't, that, that's where you've got to search this out and study it. Don't trust any man on what they say. Any, anybody out there, me or anybody else, do your own studying. That's why I reference the Strong's Concordance so much, so that if you have a Strong's Concordance, you Back it up. Look it up. Prove it out. Don't trust any individual that they're telling you the truth on this because this is not just, hey, we're reading a book. This is the eternity. Don't trust anyone with your eternity. Verse 21, How be it this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. What, what is this fasting? Fasting in the word. Staying in the word. And through prayer, asking for more wisdom, asking for more understanding, more clarity. That way you have a better vision, I guess you could say, a better recall of, of knowing what the true plan is and who the enemy is. And not only that, but how to combat the enemy. If you remember, Christ was in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, has fasted and was hungry. And the first thing that Satan came against him with with his weakness. If you're hungry, if you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. 
He knew what his weakness was. He knows what each of our weaknesses are. And that's where fasting in this word and staying in this word will strengthen us to not fall for his tricks. Verse 22, And while they abode in Galilee, Jesus said unto them, The Son of Man shall be betrayed into the hands of men, and they shall kill him, and the third day he shall be raised again. And they were exceedingly sorry. He's telling them. He's getting them prepared. He's getting them ready. Hey, look, I'm going to be hung. I'm hung up on a, on a cross. Which in prophecies, as far as the ceremonial laws, the blood ordinances went, Christ fulfilled them. They were nailed to the cross. And he's telling them, I'm going to be that Passover lamb. Just be ready for that. But hey, whenever you see me crucified, when you see them kill my flesh, don't worry on the third day, I'll be up again. Because he will have overcome death at that point. Verse 24, And when they were come to Capernaum, they that received tribute money came to Peter and said, Doth not your master pay tribute? Here they go. they walking around with their hand out and they're trying to just bleed everybody dry. Verse 25, He said, Yes. And when he was come into the house, Jesus prevented him, saying, What thinkest thou, Simon? Of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute, or their own children, or of strangers, or of their own children, or of strangers? So do the kings go around, do they tax their own children, their own family? Or do they tax strangers? Tax those who aren't in their family. That's what he's asking. Peter saith unto him, unto him of strangers, Jesus said unto him, Then are the children free? Notwithstanding, lest we should offend them, go thou to the sea, and cast an hook, and take up the fish that first cometh up. And when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money. That take, and give unto them for me and thee. So, not only is he performing a miracle here, of going and getting that, coin out of that fish's mouth but but what's the symbolism here in the early days christianity was uh symbolized or a christian meeting was symbolized by the symbol of a fish christ also said that hey i'm gonna the, the only sign that y'all are gonna get is that of jonah where he was in the earth's i mean in the whale's belly for three days so what he's showing here is that this Christianity, this, this fish, if you will, which is Jesus Christ, that sign of Jonah, is going to pay the tribute for all the children of God. Therefore, those children are free to enter into the kingdom of heaven. They are free of tribute as long as they fulfill John chapter 3, verse 16. Whomsoever shall believe upon him shall have eternal life, everlasting life. That word everlasting is an interesting word also. It don't mean just from now on. It means from all the way back when we were first created as spirits to all the way forward. Now, I believe this is a good time to, a good spot to stop. We'll pick it up in chapter 18 in the next study. God bless you all. I hope you enjoyed this. A lot of information about the two witnesses. uh, But it's definitely something that we need to know.
So God bless y'all. You have a great day. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions that you'd like answered on the podcast, you can write to us at Humans Under Grace, P.O. Box 1467, Tatum, Texas, 75691. Or you can email us at questions at humansundergrace.com. Thank you, and God bless you.